Hello and welcome to our daily devotional podcast. I want to continue to do what the exercise that we did yesterday and to continue to the end of this week. This is a very important form of Bible meditation for several reasons. First, it's the best way of reading a narrative. Rather than listening to a story or reading a story, if we could visualize the story, it would help us to understand much better, allow us to have more insight. It's like watching a movie. Movies are definitely better, usually, than reading a novel. But the other reason is that as we go into the next book, the book of Acts, a lot of it is narrative. And there will be a period of time when I will not be sharing any podcast. Instead, I will have assigned you a chapter a day to read. And I want you then to take time to think about the passage that you've read. Now, one good thing about podcasts then, I mean, not podcasts, of visualizing then, is that you can remember the story without having to read the book again and the, the chapter repeatedly. So when you have visualized it, you can sit in the bus and think about it. Even at work, at break times at work, you can think about it. What's most important, perhaps, is in the evening. Imagine thinking of a story of the narrative that you have just read just before you fall asleep. For one, you don't have to switch on the lights. You can switch off the lights and think about it. But it's a wonderful thing to be thinking of God's work and God's word just before we fall asleep. A friend was sharing with me that in the past he used to be thinking about his problems, reading his work or reading the news. And often he'd wake up feeling very depressed, very tired, sometimes even angry. But ever since he started allowing the Bible to be the last word before he fell asleep, he found that he slept better, he was much more at peace. So think of it this way. If you were to visualize an event in the Bible, story in the Bible. Then just before you sleep, you can lie down in bed, switch off the lights, and think through parts of the story or the entire narrative. And then you close in prayer by saying, Lord, speak to me through the night. Allow me to know and to understand your word. And then in the morning as you wake up, you could, before you even get up, you could run, allow some of these stories to run through your mind again. Sometimes it takes a lot of discipline because the first thing you want to think about would be might be your work, might be an angry thought, might be something else that should not occupy your mind as much but just keeps occupying your mind. And so when you direct your mind to think of what you have visualized, the narrative that you have left in your mind, it makes a very great difference to your day. And so we will go through, day by day, we will go through one narrative. As I read it, you will try to visualize it and bring that vision throughout the day, um, especially at the end of the day as you go to bed. But to, right now, I'd like to share with you some of the insights that I gained, some of my thoughts about the narrative that we had yesterday. Remember, yesterday was about Jesus taking his three best friends to the Garden of Gethsemane. And there he prayed 
to God to take away the cup. Eventually, the soldiers came and they arrested him. One of the things that really stood out for me, and I'm sure you have many thoughts yourself, and I encourage you to maybe either journal it, share it with your small groups if possible, or even email me and share with me some of your thoughts. Because we'll all have very different insights, and no insight is better or worse than the other. They all help us to grow. And so I would also love to hear some of the insights that you have gained while you visualized and as you meditated on the narratives. But here's mine. I thought about the loneliness of Christ. It must have been very, very difficult as Jesus came out with his friends, very, very troubled. Troubled to the point of death. He would have been thinking of the trial, the lies that would be said against him, the horrible accusations that would just be leveled against him, accusations about how he blasphemed against his own father. After that would be the physical punishment, the torture, the sense that everyone was against him, no one would be speaking for him, but everyone would. And many of those might even have been people whom he had ministered to, whom he had helped, and each of them would be telling stories about him, hurling insults at him beating, lashing him, and then that terrible journey down to be crucified. And there he would experience the most painful form of execution. But as he did so, he would also feel the weight of the guilt of the entire world. There was much on Jesus' mind and heart. He was troubled. But it was at this point, perhaps, that he needed his friends the most. And so he called on his three best friends to come with him and to pray with him for an hour while he went further to pray. And then we take note of this, that he prayed to his father, Father, if it be your will, take this cup from me. He very much did not want to go through this death. Of course, he ended that prayer with, but your will, not mine. And the Bible does not record that God spoke anything to him at all. God was silent. Perhaps he had hoped for an answer from God, but God was not near him at all. Which was why he prayed twice more, because not hearing God's assuring voice, he would have gone back again, knelt down, cried again to God, at least give me an answer, God. If you want to save me, save me now, but otherwise let your will be done, but tell me that it is your will. And he heard nothing again. The third time he went to pray again, once again it was silence. This deafening silence of God is a very painful thing. Even if God had wanted Jesus to be crucified, could God not have said something to him assuringly, my son, this you must but go through. But God was silent. But what was worse was that his three best friends were not praying at all. He had hoped that they would intercede for him, that they would be watchful, they would pray with him as he cried to his father. But all three of them had just fallen asleep. Not once, but twice, three times. 
they fell asleep, even after he had gone to wake them up and told them, hey, this time, can you please get up and pray? They just fell asleep. It must have been a very lonely experience. Friends don't often do that to their friends. At least if they've fallen asleep once, if they're reminded to stay awake, they would have stayed awake. But none of them did. So Jesus was all alone. Silence of his father. Silence of his friends. Contrast that with the time when Jesus was um, tempted in the wilderness, recorded in Matthew chapter 4. There Jesus went through a very grueling test of his love and his faithfulness to God. But at the end of the temptation, in verse 11, Matthew 4, 11, says that the angels came and ministered to him. What a wonderful thing, that at the end of this ordeal, the angels came and ministered to him. But Jesus wasn't going to have that treatment this time. There were no angels, there was no voice of God. There was silence. And throughout this whole ordeal, when Jesus was on trial, when Jesus was mocked, when Jesus was placed, hung on the cross, there was complete silence. No angels came to minister to him. Which was perhaps why Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because throughout the ordeal, God was silent. And yet, it wasn't complete silence either. There were people coming in. The betrayer and the soldiers. The irony of it all when Jesus most needed his friends and needed God or the angels to minister to him, all he had were the footsteps of the betrayer and the guards. And then the accusations. And then the judgment, the false stories, the lies about him, the mockery, and then his death. What this story tells us, what I think about is that Jesus experienced the deepest loneliness that we have that anyone could experience. And Jesus held steadfast each time he spoke about God's faithfulness even when God was silent. He told, he told his people that if he had wanted to, God would have brought legions of soldiers to set him free. Later on, he, while on the cross, he continued to, to proclaim God's faithfulness, even as he sensed the distance and the absence of God. I wonder how many of us can identify with what Jesus went through, at least a little bit, when things are not going right. And we wonder, and then we pray to God, and God is silent. One of the hardest things is to wonder whether we did the right thing, whether this painful experience was because of our stupidity, because we stood up for the wrong thing. Worst of all, whether God and his disappointment with us had finally left us. As John the Baptist wanted to know when he was in jail, whether he had followed 
Christ, God's anointed. So we often then wonder whether the stand or stand for God was faithful, was worth it, was the right thing to do, or whether we might have made a mistake, which is why God was so silent towards us. Why doesn't God, why didn't God stand by me? Give me some assurance. Give me a prophetic word. Let his spirit speak to me. Let someone write a letter to me. Maybe an intercessor who would say to me, well, I prayed for you and I have a message of hope for you. But sometimes it feels, we feel like Jesus too, that our intercessors got tired of praying and they gave up. And maybe that's why God is silent. Because our intercessors didn't pray, and God doesn't answer. But this, what Jesus went through, is reassuring to us. It reminds us that God is sometimes silent, but He doesn't stop loving us. For reasons God understands, alone understands, He does not always intervene or speak to us. And sometimes, even when all our friends have left us, God still loves us and His plan still holds true. Now, it's one of the hardest challenges to our lives. I've experienced this on many occasions when I wondered whether God was there, whether God had abandoned me, whether I'd been so stupid as to make a stand that just fell flat. What happened to my friends who were supposed to intercede for me? Some of them even judged me. So I don't have much of a solution, but three suggestions. First, remember God's word. Which is the other reason why I want you to visualize these images. We could do one of two things. We could memorize scripture word for word, and that really helps. This discipline of memorizing scripture actually helps us a lot in these times. I've read and heard many stories of how people held on to God because they read, they memorized scripture, and they continued in their minds. But the other way is to visualize it, and visualization does help us to remember. When you spend time visualizing a scene like this, it comes back to you when you are in trouble, and it reminds you that Jesus went through this as well, and he was the son of God, the most important person in God's life. And even so, God was silent. His best friends had fallen asleep. And all he experienced was more and more torment and mockery and lies. And we remember then that if Jesus could withstand this, he also wants us to withstand it. That's the first thing we can do. Remember scripture. Remember the stories of the Bible. Second then, is to remember the times when God was faithful to us. There have been many times when we prayed and God just answered our prayers miraculously. I can name many, many miracles where God broke through and came to me. And in the times of God's silence, I want to be able to remember these. But you see, remembering these stories often becomes difficult. Very often in times of trial, we forget all of them. And so here's another suggestion. Keep a journal. You don't have to write down everything that happened every day. You don't even have to journal 
every day, you can do it once a week. Or, but the main thing is whenever you experience a miracle, a little miracle, a big miracle, a time when God answered your prayer, a time when God broke through, a time when you're desperate and people called you or God intervened, write these testimonies down. So that at times of trouble like these when God is silent, as you open your journal, it works wonders to your life. I used to keep a journal I don't as much these days. But in times of depression, in times of aloneness, of loneliness, I flip through and I read the things that I've written and I'm amazed at the experiences of, that I've had with God, many of which I've forgotten long ago. But they remind me that God has been real in my life. And these journal entries perk me up and remind me again and again that though God is silent, God still doesn't stop loving me. And of course, there is the Holy Communion. When we come together to take the Holy Communion, we are reminded of God's covenant, unbreakable covenant, that He has forgiven every one of your sins and therefore He will not leave you ever, but that He will come to live with you. Silence or not, God is with you. I hope that these three tips will help you get through some of the worst times when you experience the silence of God and the failure of your friends. So these are some of my thoughts for yesterday. Uh, let me now read to you the passage for today. I will not give you any thoughts until tomorrow. So I'll read it to you. You, you visualize it again. Bring that vision throughout the day with you throughout the day. And tomorrow then perhaps you will have some insights too and I'll share some of my insights tomorrow. And then we'll do the same. Then I'll read the next passage. You'll visualize it. So kind of the devotional insights come the day after. But in the meantime, don't depend on mine. I want you to allow God to speak to you and give you deep insights as well. And yes, do feel free to share them with me. Today, we will look at Matthew chapter 26, verse 57 to 75. And I'll read it to you. And as I do, I want to invite you again to visualize. So let's prep, let's warm up a little. Now find a quiet spot once again to visualize the furniture, the things around you. Then shut your eyes and can you see them in your mind's eye again? This gets you ready for the visualizing. Okay, so take some time to do that. After that, get in touch with your emotions. Are you feeling agitated now? Sad, angry, happy, at peace, looking forward to something, dreading something? Get in touch with some of your feelings first. And then let us pray. Father, as we listen to this next story of the 
trial that Jesus went through and Peter's denial of Jesus. We ask that your Holy Spirit will help us to visualize this scene. Not just the picture of it, but the emotions of it as well. That even as we listen to this story read, we may see in our mind's eye the things that happened. We may feel with our heart the emotions, the anger, the indignation, the fear, the confusion that each of these characters experienced. Then, Lord, allow these visions, these images to remain in our minds as we carry your word into the rest of the day. And then, Lord, continue to speak to us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, then, get ready. Best to shut your eyes as I read it, and then visualize. Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance, right up to the courtyard of the high priest. He entered, sat down with the guards to see the outcome. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. But they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. Finally, two came forward and declared, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. You have said so, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, From now on you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? He is worthy of death, they answered. Then they spat on his face, struck him with their fists. Others slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, Messiah, who hit you? Okay, the first round, probably you'll be analysing some things, you'll be asking some questions. You probably couldn't visualise everything, you caught some bits of it. So let me read it again, one more time. Shut your eyes and... Perhaps you already have some pictures in your mind. So allow the second reading to fill in some of the blanks. Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance, right up to the courtyard of the high priest. He entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. 
but they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. One said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Then high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. You have said so, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, from now on you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Almighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you have heard the, test- the blasphemy. What do you think? He is worthy of death, they answered. Then they spat on his face and struck him with their fists. Others slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, Messiah, who hit you? Have you got a better picture now of the sequence? You see Peter sitting there and watching the whole drama unfold before his eyes. False witness after false witness. And then one, two coming up to say, This man said that he will tear down the temple, build it in three days. And then the story continues. Let me read it a third time. Perhaps this will help to fill in even more blanks and also to help you solidify so that you can run through that story. So as I read it, continue to shut your eyes and allow the vision, the visuals to fill your mind as you watch Peter sitting there among the guards, watching chief priests and the entire Sanhedrin seated there questioning Jesus and what Jesus said about him sitting at the right hand of the Father picture Jesus saying it to them and saying that you will see the Son of Man coming down in the clouds and then you picture all the chief priests shouting what do you think he has committed a blasphemy and everyone answered, he is worthy of death. He deserves to die. Okay, so let's, let's, let me read it one more time and then you fill in the planks. Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance right up to the courtyard of the high priest. He entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. But they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. Finally, two came forward and declared, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. 
Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. You have said so, Jesus replied, but I say to all of you, from now on you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the chief priest tore his clothes and said, He has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? He is worthy of death, they answered. Then they spat in his face and struck him with their fists. Others slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, Messiah, who hit you? And now we continue with a short passage on Peter's, Peter's cowardice. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway, where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, This fellow was, was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses. He swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately, a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Now I've only read this once. Next thing I want is to, for you to get into one of the Bible apps. Um, tomorrow I'll talk more about Bible apps if you haven't got them. And many of them have got audio Bibles. And this will prepare you once again when you do your devotions on your own, in the book of Acts, to play it several times, to visualize it. But that's all for today. Tomorrow then I will share with you some of the insights that I've received as I visualized and thought about this story. And then we will read through the next story. We'll do the exercise again. Okay, so let's close in prayer and then we'll chat again tomorrow. Let's pray. Father, teach us how to know your word. Teach us how to hide your word in our minds and in our hearts. Allow us to feel the emotions, to picture the things that happened. That we may know your heart, we may know our own hearts. In so doing, Lord, you may, you will transform us. Today we want to pray also for those who are lonely or will be lonely or have gone through periods of aloneness where they sensed, they heard only your silence, where they found their friends failing them in many ways, and where they saw the evil one begin to overwhelm them. I pray that at these times, even when you leave them in silence, they may know that you have not left them at all. I pray that at these times, they will know that you are present with them they may be reminded by your word that you are faithful 
and you love them and you have not stopped loving them. I pray too that they may remember the times when you answered them in various ways. That they may know that even in these times of silence, it is you helping them to grow and that they can remain steadfast in the trust in you. So God, I pray for each of my brothers and sisters. I pray for myself as well. That you fortify us and cause us to really rest in you and find our strength in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well then, have a good day today and God bless you. Goodbye.